It's okay. It's okay. There's that little dog. It's okay. That rotten little dog. It's okay. That's the rotten little dog. It's okay. It's okay. So I say, hey, there's, there's stripes. She's like, I know. Isn't that weird? I'm like, yeah. I don't want that. John Smith. John Smith. Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I am in my garage uh, underneath... Hi. <laughs> my name is Dan Class. I'm in my garage underneath the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. We are streaming live, I think, on Ustream. Uh, this is The Bitterest Pill. Did I say that? Did I say it's hot in the studio? Did I say that yet? There's so little to talk about, but here's the situation. Um, many years ago, I got it in my head that we were going to stream these shows live while I recorded. And it was fun. I didn't, you know, some people would stop by. We'd chat beforehand or afterwards or whatever. And um, it didn't mess up the show that badly, the actual recording of the podcast. Except that I wasn't using a streaming camera. I was using just like a video camera. And what you do is, you know, you put the video camera on pause. And then you, if you hook it up to your computer and all that stuff, then it, it'll work. But every 15 minutes or so, minutes or so hi, how are you? Um, you know, it shut itself off. So for some, well, I'll tell you why in a second. But I, I've been inspired to go ahead and uh, stream the shows from now on. So if you want to stop by. Right now we're using Ustream. Eventually you'll just, uh, I, I'm in a rush today because I'm so behind schedule. Eventually you'll be able to go to probably danclass.com slash live or thebitterestpill.com slash live or whatever and see the show. Like I said, right now we're using Ustream. We'll probably switch over to something else uh, very soon because, because. But no, very uh, inspired by the popularity or, or at least the, the perceived popularity of uh, Periscope. And... um you know, I finally got around to checking out Brian Ibbett's daily morning show, The Morning Stream with Scott. Is it Scott Johnson? I didn't prepare. Like I said, I have 20 minutes. So anyway, but uh, yeah, Brian Ibbett from Coverville, podcast pioneer to the nth degree, Brian Ibbett, uh, does a morning show where he and I hope his name is Scott Johnson. For the, for the sake of the bitterest pill today, his name is Scott Johnson. Whether it actually is Scott Johnson or not, I, I again, I don't know. The computer's way over there. I, I can't check. I'm not like Brian who can just Google things while he's recording. My computer is so loud. You can you can hear it now, and it's way over there. Anyway, inspired by them, so I got a I got what I think is a pretty decent streaming camera, and so if you ever want to stop by while I'm recording, hopefully starting in September, I'll do it on a regular basis at a regular time. You tell me what time is good for you. I haven't a clue. I really don't. I'm not really sure I'm in a position to stick to a specific time. You know what I mean? As soon as we say, all right, it'll be Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific time, then something will come up. So let's not do that. Let's not kid ourselves, shall we? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the streaming thing as an excuse and a reason and a whatever to uh, clean up the studio because it's become some kind of dumping ground for a lot of crap around here. And I want to have a nice looking studio for you to see. I want to continue maintaining the myth that my insanity is a ruse. Do you understand? I'm trying to maintain the myth 
that the th crazy things I say I think might actually just be something I made up for the sake of entertainment and is not actually true, right? I think it'll be fun too, now that I'm kind of going to be on camera all the time, to pretend every time I do a pause that actually the stream is lagging. Because I think a jerk would do that. And I'm as well. Okay. So really what it is, is um, I'm really behind schedule today because I had to do a lot of errands. And um, should we talk about Concho's poster or the door? There's really not much. We'll talk about. So, okay, here, the backstory is this. I'm never going to get caught up, by the way, in all the things I didn't tell you during the times, right, where I don't do the show. Do you understand what I mean? So hopefully someday we'll get caught up, but it's not going to happen. So Hudson and I, my son, Hudson and I, me, yours truly, uh, have gone back to karate. We've gone back to our dojo here in Westchester, Los Angeles International Airport adjacent. We've gone back to the dojo, and now we are in karate classes, which means punching and kicking and pushing up and sitting up and uh, a lot of perspiration and sweat and horrible, horrible oldness for me. You know, young people uh, have an easier time doing uh, physical things than older folks. And I apparently am an older folk because it's... It's so rewarding. It's so, it's so ah oh, to feel that crappy about yourself physically. It's so rewarding. Mm. But because we're back at the dojo, and Concho, the headmaster, the headmaster of our style, you know Concho. Concho remembers that I know how to use uh, desktop, desktop uh, publishing programs, and Photoshop, and take pictures, and so he has many poster ideas for me to execute for the dojo. So, the first one was for a trip to Japan. Every year they go to Japan and they do push-ups for eight hours a day and then they sleep on a futon. And they do that for about seven days. They do push-ups for 12 hours, whatever I just said. And then they sleep on a futon. They eat rice and, uh, what is it, miso soup? I almost said meso soup. I think meso is meditation. They meso while they eat meso? What's the, which is the soup? Miso? All right. They eat miso soup, then they do a little miso, then probably a little more miso with push-ups in between all those things. And then on the last day, I think they'll walk around. The, pe the people that survive get to sightsee in Kyoto. So, so Kancho wanted me to work on a poster with a bunch of photographs about, about the Japan trip for next calendar year. But he also wanted me to do this poster uh, for private karate instruction private karate instruction with uh, one of our main highest ranking black belts a woman by the name of Akime so they they had pictures they had photographs right the photographs were already chosen I could only use one of uh, I could only use two of a uh, 70 photographs that they had but th these are the two because I guess the photographer was giving them advice on how the kids should stand. And when you're taking a picture of an adult teaching children how to do karate, apparently those karate poses should be dictated by someone who is a fourth degree black belt in karate and not a guy who takes pictures for a living. So none of the karate poses met the muster of Concho. How could they? 
So I had two pictures. There were two pictures that passed. So I made a poster. And for me to make a poster, what, what, you know, basically all I did, this is so bad, but I just opened pages. You know, Apple has pages. I just opened pages. I looked for a cute template. I put the pictures in the template. I typed the words karate lessons in there, and I'm a hero. I put the logo. You know, there's a logo. You put a, you know, like the patch. The patch on the uniform has a logo. So I put that on there and uh, pictures and pictures. And one of the pictures is Akime uh, teaching a kid how to punch or something. And then the smaller picture is her with a bunch of kids and they're all happy, which it's great. It's a great poster. It'll be great. It's got green on it. Oh, nothing says green like green, you know. So all I really need to do is I need to do this cute little thing. I need to take it back to the dojo. I need to show Concho, the grandmaster, Concho. I show Concho, and then I'm going to take it to uh, a local office supply uh, store that sells staples, and I'm going to have them print it. I know a place. I know that's how it works in America in 2015. You don't go to a printer, uh, Dan, because you're stupid. You go to a place that sells staples. So I make the poster, and um. It looks great. I printed it out on our little printer at home. It looks fine. You know, eight and a half by 11, normal size. I show Concho. Concho's like, oh, good. Oh, good. No, no, I take that back. So I show Akime. And we go back and forth on which picture should be the big one, which should be the small one. Not a, not a problem. And then she realizes, hey, you know, in the, in the big hero poster or the big hero photograph where I'm teaching the kid how to punch, I'm pretty sure my eyes are closed. Now I've been so focused on the green and the, the I, I did choose I did choose a cute typeface. I I would tell you what it is, but I don't recall the name. But I was so focused on choosing cute typeface and getting it done quickly and putting the patch logo in the corner like I know what I'm doing in advertising or something. I also did not notice that in our hero picture, she's instructing a child on how to punch while taking a nap. Not the most inspiring photograph when you're trying to write the parents and the trust and the instruction and the instruction. So now this easy poster has become me photoshopping eyeballs onto her head. So I go through the 75 pictures that I'm not allowed to use that all have the wrong karate position because I got to find one with the proper eye position, eye head, head tilt, eyeball position. So I, I, I do find a couple options. I do, I Photoshop the eyes in. I have no idea what it looks like because it takes me long enough where I have no idea if it looks really good or just horrible. And I just think it looks good because it's 1230 at night and I need, you know, sleep. So I, with much trepidation, I, you know, make a PDF out of it and I send it to her and I'm like, <laughs> I fix the eyes, <laughs> fix in quotes, eyes in quotes, finger qu quotes, right? <laughs> so, but she says, oh, they look great. They look great. They look fine. Let's show Concho. I show Concho. He doesn't say anything about my eye work. So I take it to the printer. But again, I don't go to a printer because that's what a rational person would do. 
I don't go to a printer. I go to a place that sells staples. Okay, one moment, please, while I check the time. Oh, yeah, I should go. Hey, are you, are you Tiger? Are you watching? Is that how you spell it? T-I-double-G-R? Oh, good. Let me know how this test is going. Let me know if you can hear me and see me and all that stuff, and maybe I'll cut this part out. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so I go to the place that sells staples with my PDF. And because I don't want to upload it online, that, that seems risky. And I can't figure out online how to ask them to laminate it because I need it to be laminated. Okay. So I just go to staples. I've got, I've got it on a little jump sticky thing, right? What do we call those? We call them jump sticks, flash drive, flash drive. That seems to be the nomenclature. So I take it over there with a flash drive and I go into the place that sells the staples and I go, Hey, I've got this karate poster. I need it to be printed. There's no problem. And what does she do? She takes the flash drive, puts it into the computer at the staple store, launches the website that I looked at from my living room and starts uploading it to their system from the website. Awesome. So then she shows me the layout in context and she says, okay, and then, and blah, blah, and it's going to be, you know, cut here and here and here, it's going to be cut like that. And I say, no, no, it's not because that's wrong because that cuts off the, almost cuts off the letters. I picked this cute typeface. I picked a cute typeface and I need to see the letters on the typeface and you're going to start to cut them off. And she's like, well, you know, it's, it's not that accurate. And I'm like, oh, great, great. Because I just got the super accurate down to like an eighth of an inch measurements off your website. I went in InDesign. I redesigned the whole poster. You know, the poster I did in pages quickly to be cute. I relayed out the whole thing in InDesign. Like I know what I'm doing down to the of an inch. I export a high-res, high-res, print-res PDF. I don't even know what all of that means. And here we are and whatever. So now I have to take it home, open it back up in, in InDesign, and guess how much the staple store is going to almost crop right the thing. And so I have to cheat it over. So I'm cheating it over, cheating, 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 cheating it over. And then I take it. No, I actually didn't take it back. I gave up because I figured if I take it back, they're just going to upload it. So I'm just going to upload it. I will worry about the lamination later. I give up on lamination. Uh, who cares about lamination? So I upload it to the thing. It looks okay. They're little silly online crop marks, right? And I send it off. And then they never write back. Of course, why would they write back? They're too busy selling staples to tell me whether it's done or not. So eventually I go back there like a couple of days later and all this time, every time I see Concho, I have to say, oh, Concho, the, the, yeah, the, I'm working on the poster. Oh, us, 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 the poster's coming. The poster's, it's at the printer where they sell staples, you know, across the parking lot. That's where it is. So they print out the poster. And it looks beautiful. The greens are green. The typeface is cute. The logo from the, you know, there's a logo on the gi, you know, on the patch. That's in the bottom just where I put it. It looks beautiful. It's cr Everything is crystal clear. And everyone's face is glowing orange. Glowing neon. I couldn't have made it look that crappy if I had tried orange. I don't know what has happened. And I don't know how you print something that looks perfect except where there's skin. 
but I can't show this to Concho. So I say, hi, I'm trying to be nice as I freak out about, you know, orange skin. Listen, orange skin. Could you reprint this, please, orange skin? So they say, sure, we'll pre reprint it, orange skin. So they leave a note for Angela. Angela's going to help me out at the store where they sell stables. So I go in a couple days later and say, hey, is Angela there? And they say, no, but someone else is here, the manager. Great. Great. So I talk to the manager. Now, while I'm talking to the manager, I'm supposed to be buying my kid's pizza. I snuck over there while I was supposed to be on my way to the pizza place, but I didn't because I have to get this, do you understand, the importance of a poster? So I'm supposed to be getting a pizza, and I'm talking to the manager of the place. And she looks at it and says it's orange. Well, she has reprinted it. So she shows me the reprint. And the reprint looks great because they had to tweak the skin down or something, desaturate it somehow. Again, the PDF looks perfect. They bring down the skin tones, but now there's stripes in the background. Everywhere. Stripe, 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 stripe. 11 inches of striped background behind Akime as she's teaching the kid how to punch with her eyes open. So I say, hey, there's, there's stripes. She's like, I know. Isn't that weird? I'm like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want stripes. I gave you the most gorgeous. Can we look? So we look at the PDF. There's no stripes in the PDF because there's no stripes in the picture. So I say, Listen, I know you specialize in staples, but you've got these huge printers. Could it possibly be that your inkjets are clogged? Because my printer, when it looks like that, it's because my inkjets are clogged. Maybe you should clear your inkjets. And she says something. And then I think she goes to clear the inkjets. And it creates this 20-minute process where they waste 30 feet of paper printing blocks of color. So I figure my kids are starving now to death because they think pizza is on the way and I'm still printing, right? So I say to the manager, listen, could you just tell you what? Let's, once that's clear, let's, let's talk. Maybe you could print it again. What do you say? And we can talk again. And I'm never going to bother you again with printing. So she says, yeah, let's talk in a couple of days. So I go back yesterday. That was Monday. I couldn't go back Saturday. I couldn't go back Sunday. So Monday, I go back. And she's not there because something came up. Okay, that's fine. So I go back today. Oh, man, I should leave. So I go back today. Now, there's a cop car outside. Now, I know that doesn't have anything to do with printing. I just want to say that this is the level, this is the caliber of the printing establishment that I am using where there is a cop car and I don't mean in the parking lot. I mean directly in front of the front door. So I kind of walk in like, am I going to die? You know, that kind of thing. But I need my poster, right? Because this is me fresh back from the to the dojo. I've been given this responsibility. I told Concho it would take four hours to print the poster because that's what the store that sells staples told me. They told me it would take four hours. Uno, dos, tres, each, ni, san, chi. Each, ni, san, chi, hours. Us. No. Five days, six, how many days has this been? So I go back today. 
there's a cop car outside, but I see the manager. I'm like, hey, manager, how's it going? Did you reprint that thing, Lynn? She's like, no. I was out yesterday. I'm like, I know. No pressure. But I really need that for my concho. And she says, well, you know, whenever we print photographs, it does this to us. We usually send it to the off-site print center. Would you like me to do that? And it can be back in a couple of days. <laughs> Did you not know that on Friday? Did you not know that on Friday? Because if you had said those words on Friday, today would be Monday and you'd be handing me a laminated poster and I would walk across the parking lot to the dojo and hand it, very uh, respectfully, with two hands, to Concho. So now my poster, my four-hour, each, ni, san, shi, four-hour poster is going to take seven, eight, days, nine days, and have to be sent off to the special staple store print center in Cucamonga to actually be printed by a printer that works and then sent sent back. Why are the cheapest and easiest ways to do something the most difficult and most expensive every time, bar none. So, um, so today, today's Wednesday, and Wednesdays are the days that Joe Moanblow comes to mow and blow. And what Joe does is every Wednesday, he brings the dog a cookie, a dog cookie. You know, a treat, a bone-shaped thing, whatever those are made out of. I don't know if it's cardboard scraps or whatever. I think a lot of our recycling, honestly, goes towards making dog treats. But every um, every Wednesday, he, he brings the dog a dog treat. And today I made the mistake. Of, so, so what happens is the dog watches Joe mow and blow. And he stands at the back door waiting for his cookie. And he waits and waits and waits for his cookie. And then eventually Joe leaves, and that's when I let uh, the, the dog, Hugo, Hugo is the dog, I let Hugo out. And I didn't want to let Hugo out today because apparently there's an, uh, uh, <laughs> I almost said there's a molestation of fruit flies. Is that a problem where you live? A uh, uh, conspiracy molestation of fruit flies? I've heard that. It's horrible. An invest in hi, how are you? An infestation. I speak English as a first language. There's an infestation of fruit flies. And the reason I know this is so these guys came to the house about a week ago. And they said, "Hi, we're uh, looking for a, an infestation of fruit flies." Even though every time I say infestation, you think molestation. I don't I don't know how that happened. Why must that happen? Basically, there's fruit flies in the areas, everybody, okay? In the immediate area, they there may or may not have been fruit flies. And they were going door to door, these two guys, with official shirts and boots and nets and clipboards and looking for fruit flies. Now, we have a fruit tree right outside the studio here. Now... I don't know what it grows. 
there's been some cons- uh, some debate on whether it, they're kumquats, some sort of um, calamodian oranges. Is that a thing? Not mandarin oranges because those are sweet. These are very sour. They're very sour and very thin-skinned. You could eat a whole one. So they're either kumquats or maybe calamodian oranges or some sort of orange that apparently Asian people like because we were able to give a bunch of them to our friend Charlie's mother-in-law. So so these guys come around. They say, hey, we're testing for an infestation of fruit flies. Uh, I got to get the phone. Somebody's calling me. Uh Uh-oh, it's my daughter calling me on the phone. Hold on. Hello? Hi, hi. No, no, it's okay. What? Yeah, it's okay. I, I figured you were going there. Okay, but let's let's make sure you have your own phone from now on, okay? Kind of the point. Yeah, okay. Okay, bye. I love you. Bye. My daughter has my wife's old phone. So when she's at dance at unusual hours, she can call us herself. Anytime she wants her text us, receive texts. Where's the phone? Uh, on the dining room table. So, so they came into the backyard, these guys, with their clipboard and their fruit basket net thing, claw thing, right? And they took some of these oranges, whether they're kumquats, mandarin, calamodia, they don't care. They took some back to the lab. And I didn't hear anything directly from the guys, but then one day there was a sheet on the door and the sheet said, there's an infestation of fruit flies, oriental fruit flies. Now, I didn't think we were using the term oriental anymore. You know, I live in Los Angeles. We try to be a little on top of those things, try to be progressive, right? Hollywood progressives. Shouldn't we be calling them uh, pan Pacific fruit flies or Asian fruit flies or maybe pinpoint exactly where these fruit flies, just oriental, like that just, it sounds very 50s. Am I right? So there's oriental fruit fly infestation here in Westchester under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport. So today the guys came, a different group of guys, the, the spray guys came. Now, on the sheet, it said that the whole spraying thing was going to be this big, huge thing. They were going to spray the whole tree. You had to move your grill, your barbecue grill or any food or any anything. You had to move everything, which I had completely forgotten about. So I run out there and they're like, ah, you don't have to move anything. Don't worry. We're not we're barely even going to spray the tree. Really? Because isn't that where the flies are is up in the tree? So. So they did that. But I didn't want we're talking about the dog, right? Yeah. So I didn't want to let the dog out and have him pee. All right, this is, you know, this is what happens when you have a boy dog. I didn't want the dog to come out to the backyard, smell something unusual, pee on it, because you got to pee on anything that smells weird, pee on it, get some malathion or whatever it is. It's not malathion. It's some organic, it's organic malathion. Get organic malathion on his private parts, go into the house and lick his private parts and get organic malathion on his tongue and then die. Because as much as I'd like the dog to die, I don't want the dog to die. You understand? It's, it, it's a quandary that I have to deal with, but that's 
the situation. The whole reason I'm bringing this up, so I let the dog, I usually let the dog out to get his cookie. And he just goes out the back door and then the cookie is right there. It's right in front of the door thingy, frame, foot, step. Okay, the doorstep. But today, I open the door. I have, you know, you got to push the dog out of the way. I open the door. I get the cookie. I bring the cookie into the house. I break it into three pieces because it's a very big cookie and a very small dog. And I put it in his bowl. He enjoys the cookie. Immediately, because his brain is really only about the size of a Calamodian orange, forgets that he ate the cookie and then goes back to the back door to beg to be let out to get the cookie. This dog will never be happy. Now, here's something. I don't know if I've ever even told you this. I take the dog out at 11 o'clock usually every night. And I know that to normal people, that probably sounds extreme, but the dog spent a lot of time peeing in the house and it was always my fault. And so now just to be on the safe side, just so I can say that I did at 11 o'clock PM, every night I take the dog out and I just take him down to the end of the driveway and he pees at the end of the driveway. And then I bring him back in. It's not a, it's not a big deal. I'm up. He's up. We're all up. Everybody's cool. Well, apparently one day my wife had the dog out and ran into a neighbor that she didn't know that has a dog. And this always happens if you have a dog, and you know what happens if you have a dog. Dog owner... See, every, here's the... Every, every, normal humans are social. Now, I won't... Not my family, okay? Maybe my daughter a little bit, but we're not... But normal people are social. And I think a lot of normal people that are social that don't right? Get enough social. They get a dog. And then what they do is they walk the dog around and then people stop them to pet the dog. And then every person you see with a dog, you stop and then you talk to those people about having a dog. Like it's so fascinating. It needs to be discussed for a long period of time. So because our dog is a rescue, I don't know how long he was on the streets he he is intimidated by your dog. He's a tiny dog. He does not he likes your dog and he wants to play with your dog but he doesn't trust your dog so he wants to bite your dog. That's just the way it is. My dog wants to bite your dog. He wants to play with your dog, but he wants to make sure that your dog knows not to screw with him. And so since October of 2010, we take the dog out and if you take the dog out for too long someone will come by with a dog and then the dogs have to sniff each other because that's what social beings do and then our dogs will sniff and then if, if the dog is the wrong size our dog hugo will try to bite the other dog and apparently this happened with some lady and her dog now it turns out that this lady and her dog also walk around the neighborhood at about 11 o'clock at night And so it's happened two or three times. I take the dog out to the bottom of the driveway. And as he's there, I see the woman coming from down the block with her dog. And because I'm not deaf, I can hear her talking. And she's saying, 
there's that little dog. She's talking to her dog. She's talking to her dog. She's going, it's okay. It's okay. There's that little dog. It's okay. That rotten little dog. It's okay. That's the rotten little dog. But it's okay. It's okay. He's just mean. He's just a mean little dog. He's just... While she's saying this, she's wa- she's down the street walking towards us. Walking. She's crossing the street, walking towards us, saying, there's that rotten little dog. There's the, it's okay. It's okay. There's that rotten little dog. He's mean. He's a mean little dog. He's a mean little dog. He's a mean rotten little dog. It's okay. He's just mean. He just bites. He's bite and he mean and he's mean. Would you ever would you ever would you ever would you ever Listen, it's okay if you want to cross the street. We do that all the time. Right. There's a big dog. You know, we got a little dog. Let's cross the street. We don't want to do that. There's some people. I got a dog. I don't trust the dog. Let's cross the street. But would you ever cross the street doing a crazy lady monologue? We're like, There's a rotten dog. Oh, he's rotten. Oh, I don't trust that dog. Oh, he's he's the dog. That's the dog. He's just mean and rotten. He's a little, tiny little dog. That's that's crazy. That's that's it's crazy, right? OK. So, okay. And I don't know how much of this to even get into. So, remember I told you that um, I, I performed what would could only be categorized as stand-up comedy at a school function a couple of months ago. Maybe it was June or couldn't have been June. What's, what's the month before June? May? It was probably in May. It's getting hot in here. Should I get a beverage? I was so busy rearranging the things in the background of the camera, I never got myself something to drink. Good thinking. So, so the night I did that thing, that school thing, my phone was about to run out of juice. Where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. My phone was running out of juice, and I had to walk really far to get back to the car, like really far, like not not just L.A. far, but kind of like ridiculously far to have to walk to get to a car when you're not in Manhattan, That that kind of far. So, and then I drove home and it was very late and I went to bed and I was very tired the next day because that was the day that you were supposed to spring ahead because it was spring. That, that's when it was. It was whatever Sunday we had to spring ahead. Do you even do that in the Netherlands, people in the Netherlands? Do you do that in the spring? You put your clocks an hour ahead to fool yourself so you're super tired for the beginning of spring because you lost an hour of sleep and then in the fall, you fall back. Do you even do that? Or have you evolved enough that you're like, listen, metric system, the time is the time. Let's not screw around. Do you do that? Probably do that. Well, here in America, we still are observing the puritanical system and imperial measurements, and we spring forward. And so this was the Sunday that we sprang ahead, and we lost an hour of sleep, and I stayed up late, and I had to get up at the normal time to take the kids to school. And it was one of the days where I had to take both kids to school. And I don't want my daughter to make my son late. So she has to be on time. And so there's a lot of tension. So I get up, I'm exhausted. I make two lunches, two snacks, two breakfasts, water bottle. We got to go. We got to go. And we got to go. And we got to go. Let's go. We go. Let's go. So my son gets in the car. My daughter gets in the car. I get in the car. I'm like, okay, guys, let's go. We're ready. And I start to back out of the driveway. And my daughter says, dad, dad. And I say, what, what? And I'm really tired. So I'm just like, what? 
Please, can we, before you start yelling at me about whatever you forgot, can I just back out of the carport? We have a carport. Can I just back out of the carport? I'll stop on the driveway. And can we just, can I just, and she's like, dad, dad. And I'm like, what? Just a second, just a second. She's like, dad. Finally, somehow communicating to me. And I think it was the crunching sound of metal bending. Her door was not closed. I'm backing out of the driveway, out of the carport, with the back passenger door on the passenger side, the back door, the door my daughter got in, open. And as I'm backing out the carport, I am wrenching the door off its hinges. The door of the car, the car door. So she's saying, dad, 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 which means, dad, don't go anymore. The door's open. But all I hear is, dad, 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 I left my notebook or whatever, because it's something every day. It's usually a hairbrush or the sunblock or whatever. But today it was, dad, 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 the door is open. So luckily I can, I, I, I examine it briefly, but we still got to get to school. I can't like have a precious hissy fit about the door. We got to go. So I examine the door. The door will close. And so I close the door, but the door has got like a mouth now. When it's closed at the top, the top of the door has like an op- like an opening. You could stick your hand through there and wave at people as we drive down the street It's because it's been bent. I've bent the door. The door. Not just the hinges. The door. You can wave. Okay. So I ruined the car. I ruined the car. The car luckily is... I shouldn't say I ruined the car. That's a little much. The car was still drivable. Completely drivable. Except... I am one of those people where it really drives me crazy if I can hear the sound from outside of the car as I'm driving around too much. A little bit's fun. Or like when summer comes and you kind of get that feeling that it's time to roll down the windows. And you know, you drive around for a couple days with the windows rolled down. That's a lot of fun. And then the windows have to go back up or I can't listen to my podcasts. Okay. When the door has a mouth that lets in sound kind of a weird visual a mouth that lets in sound is that really the best i can do under these circumstances a mouth the window basically the door has an extra window that i can't close and it's letting in all the sounds and i can't hear anybody i can't i just can't if i can't listen to my liberal npr propaganda and my punk rock songs then i can't take it so I, i took it to the normal body shop that i go to And I think the estimate was about $2,000. I did $2,000 worth of damage to a Mazda. Because it was time to spring ahead. So then I took it to another place and they said it was going to be $1,700. So that was an improvement. And then, I don't know, we know a guy. Let's just say we know a guy. I'll just leave it mysterious. Okay, so we know this guy. 
This guy, John Smith, and John Smith, he said he could get it done for us for a good price. Because John Smith has some connections, and he's got this these guys that have a body shop or whatever. So John Smith gonna hook us up. So John Smith he says to meet him in the valley at such and such a street, you know. And and he's gonna have some guys uh, take a look at the car, right? So I go out to the valley. I meet John Smith. John Smith is a good guy, right? This isn't as mis- I'm gonna, I'm making it sound a little more mysterious than it was. It was just John Smith knows a, a way to get an inexpensive door. We need a new door. We need a new door for a relatively new car, which you can't, right? You can't just go get a relatively new car door for a relatively new car at a scrapyard. But John Smith knows a way to get a decent price on a door, and he knows these guys that'll give us a decent price on the bodywork. Perfect. So I go out to the valley. I meet John Smith, and he has the guys look at the thing, and they're all like, "Yeah, bring it back." Bring it back. We'll take care of you. Don't worry. It won't be much. Don't worry. Don't worry. So I'm like, well, how much? Don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be good. So, so I come, you know, I t- bring the car in. I go get a rental car. Actually, no, I'll take it back. So I go to leave the car. I'll mention this part. I hadn't thought about this in a while. So I, I, I leave the car and they call Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Now, Enterprise will pick you up because they have so many offices. It's really only like two blocks between wherever Enterprise is and where you is. You understand what I mean? So it's not like they're really putting themselves out that far. So they call for a rent a car. So a young woman comes and picks me up who reminds me so much of my niece, Katie. It's crazy. Like crazy. How much she reminds me of my niece, my niece, Katie in Poughkeepsie. Like the, the same voice, the same timber of voice, like kind of the same hair color, the same skin color, the same gentleness. Or, it just was really weird. And I said to her, well, where, where are you from? You're not from Reseda or wherever. I don't even know where we were. Where are you from? She said she's from New Jersey. I said, okay. All right. Gotcha. From New... Okay. She's from New Jersey. My niece lives in Poughkeepsie. Uh, not exactly the same thing, but compared to uh, Westchester and Reseda, trust me, New Jersey and Poughkeepsie are cl- much closer. But just something about talking to her was just it was it was fun. It was like I got to visit Katie without having to go to the other side of the country, which is very nice. So I get a rental car. They fix the car. That takes a very short amount of time. But of course, it times out on a weekend, so I have the rental car over a weekend that I didn't really want it. Not a big deal. So I go to pick up the car. Now, the car shop is is run by these two guys from uh, Iran or somewhere. And I don't know if you know any people from Iran, and I know there's Iran stuff going on all the time in the news, and I don't keep up with it. And I'll tell you why. I So I met these guys from Iran, and then I know a couple other guys from Iran. Okay, and I want to give you my impressions of people from Iran. They're very good people. <laughs> you you know what I mean. Ninety nine percent of what you ever hear about people from Iran are they called Iranis? What are they called? There's a word for it. 
uh, you know, it's, it's through, through the news and we're negotiating something. We're, we're trying to figure out how can we bomb them without us bombing them or how can we make thing that, right, them think that we're going to write whatever. Is it Iran or Iran? No, Iran. These guys that I know from Iran, like the, the guys that are like I'm kind of friend, I'm friends with from Iran. And then these guys are just like good guys. They're just good guys. They, they're just they're from. Is that the Middle East? Yeah. So these guys are good guys. So I go to get my car and, and I, I see the car. The car looks gorgeous. The car looks maybe even better than brand new because I don't know who washed it or what they did to it. It looks great. It looks beautiful. The car is unbelievable. So I say to the uh, Iran guy, Iranian, right? Guy who's in charge of the money. Now, one guy's in charge of the money and one guy's in charge of the actual fixing things, I think. So I say to the guy in charge of the money, how much do you guys take uh, Amex? What was it? It was like, do you guys take Amex? That's what it was. Do you guys take American Express? Because I have to ask that because it's American Express because they charge too much. And the guy says, well, no, in fact, we don't take any credit cards. And that stymies me because usually, <laughs> usually say, do you take Amex? And they say yes, and you're fine. They say no, and you whip out the visa. But when you're having your car repaired and they say, we don't take credit cards, I don't, ugh, cash, I don't carry my checkbook around because it's not 1983. So I say to the money Iranian guy, well, where's the nearest bank? Because I'm going to need like a Wells Fargo or something. I'll just, I think I saw one down the street, down Reseda Boulevard, whatever that boulevard is. I'll walk, it's not a problem, dude, it's not a problem. Not a problem. I'll just walk down there. I'll get cash. So he says, hold on. So he calls the other guy and says to the other guy, uh, this guy is, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't do the accent. This guy, American Express, Cash, Eddie, blah, 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 blah. And he listens. And he goes, okay, all right, bye. And he hangs up and he goes, you're all set. So I'm sorry? So you're all set. Don't worry. It's taken care of. And I'm like, what do you mean it's taken care of? And I know and for me, Iranian guys sound a little Russian. It's because, again, can't do the accent, okay? I'll work on it. John Smith. Says it's taken care of. Okay. So now I drive away. I got to call my wife and I got to go, hey, honey. Uh, okay. I don't know what's going on, but now. John Smith. Says it's taken care of. So now we got to have a conversation with John Smith, like John Smith. You can't take care of it. So we think we're going to have a conversation where I go, hey, honey, John Smith is taking care of it. And then she has to call John Smith and go, John Smith, you can't take care of it. We'll take care of it. So I tell her that she calls John Smith and she goes, they said it's taken care of and you can't take care of that. And John Smith says, what do you mean I'm taking care of it? I didn't say I was taking care of anything. So now, for some reason, I think John Smith might have gotten mad at, I, I don't know. I don't know. It looks great, though. It looks great. One of the few times that we've tried to do something the inexpensive way and it actually worked out, although now there might be tension between, listen, John Smith. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I should have changed John Smith his name because I'm not sure I can tell this. Hmm. 
Yeah. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. I am uh, Dan Klass and, uh, you know, bitterspill.com and all that. Um, not sure what we're going to talk about next time, although, you know, speaking of doing things on the cheap, so what we, when we, ha- we, we, we did some work to our backyard, which could have been a year ago by now, and the um, designer, the landscape designer, convinced my wife that what we could do is put down these paving stones, these big foot-square paving stones, and then put gravel between them, and then it would be beautiful, and people could put chairs on them, and it would be wonderful. To which I said, so let me get this straight. You're going to have gravel between the pavers, and people are going to put their chairs just on the pavers? What happens when they're like, and they're like oh, no, no, it'll work. So I say to my wife, it's not going to work. And my wife says to the guy, is it going to work? And he says, it's going to work. And she says, it's going to work. And I say, it's not going to work. So obviously now a year, less than a year later, she wants to cement the whole thing in. Because gravel between pavers sucks. And your chair goes in there every time. It gets stuck every time. And then you have to pull it out every time. And it's the worst. Every time. So trust me, within the next couple of months, we're going to be talking about paying four grand to have the pavers cemented like we should have done a year ago. Etc. All right. So listen, um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting the show on uh, Patri- Patreon. Jeez, when am I going to get that right? Uh, if you would like to support the show on Patreon, just go to thebitterspill.com. Uh, look at the blog post for this entry. It, well, there will be a link there. I bet you can find me at patreon.com slash danclass. Um, this particular episode was support <coughs> was supported <coughs> by many people. Uh, Inga, who, who were the main supporters of this episode? This episode of The Bitterest Pill is supported by Patreon patrons, including Dave Jackson, Mike Hamilton, Flores, Harold Goldner, Tom Carroll, David Jason, Gerard Cortinez, Chris Glass, Scott Mercer, Michael C. Rail, and Tom Ingram. Thank you for your support, one and all. Alright, thank you. Guten Tag, Inga. Guten Tag. Is that it? Do you speak, do you guys speak German? Guten Tag. <laughs> Domo Regato? Gazaimas? I'm trying to learn some Japanese and I'm getting it all wrong. Ohio Okay, whatever. That's the extent of my Japanese. I'm sorry. That and Ichini Sanshiko. We did that before, right? Okay, good. Listen, once again, thank you for watching. If you were watching, thank you for listening. If you were listening, I think, uh, you know, right now we're still in the beta testing part of the stream. We will get that organized. We'll get the lights situated the stream situated i will start to uh, figure out how to keep it cool in here so i don't die and so i don't have to spend hours uh taking the fan sound out of the podcast version anyway thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it uh i certainly did and um you know always drop me a line if you'd like at pill at danclass.com class with a k as you know um follow me on twitter facebook whatever whatever all right i'll talk to you uh i'll talk to you next week if I can make it out of the studio. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 